I'm going to touch you. you. You're vermin, man. You are vermin. Okay, we need to pray for Marcus. He's got the world's worst cold bowing out on us. It's a good thing. Okay, we need to get started because I usually teach in the back, and I know what it's like to go 10 minutes over, and you're looking down the hallway to see if any big people are coming out of the sanctuary. So here we go. And uh, I think I'll just pray for myself again because I need it. <laughs> okay, all right. Hi, Ron. Lord Jesus, calm my heart. Um, good material tonight. All your material is good, Lord, and, and I enjoyed studying it. It was uh, refreshing. I hadn't been there in a while, and it was uh, really a revelation again, Lord, just like your word. There's so many facets, Lord. It's always new. It's always fresh. It's like the morning. Uh, just many mercies in it. Uh, Lord, uh, I just ask for an anointing, Lord. And again, be with the earth hammer. Amen. So we're going to be in Genesis. Um, I don't tread on where James is teaching because uh, I don't want to break his continuity and consistency. So he's in Revelation. I'm in Genesis. So I got as far away as I could get, and there shouldn't be any commingling here of anything. Okay, and we're in chapter 22, and uh, this should be familiar ground for most of you, but uh, always interesting and rewarding ground. And uh, this is, in my Bible, called Abraham's Ultimate Obedience. And we know Abraham is called the father of faith. And uh, Paul talked a lot about his faith. And he's one of the heavyweights in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. And he is the father of faith. And this is the demonstrating act of that. And, of course, this is his um, obedience in being asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And uh, what a request from God. And going into this, we, we need to know that it is a dramatic foreshadow of what Christ did on the cross. This is kind of a pro, uh, prophetic viewing of that. A lot of things um, we can relate to as we read this story. And uh, it's all about obedience, and Christ was obedient to his Father also. And it says there, uh, starting in verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. That's his name. That's a clear address. He knows God is talking to him. He's got his attention. And he said, here I am. That was Abraham's response. Then he said, take your son. And notice as we go through here how many times it says son or your son. It is dramatic how many times he makes a reference to a son here. Isaac uh, is the son, of course. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will sh show you later. Wow. wow. Take your son and go sacrifice him as a burnt offering. This, this is death. This is death. Take your son and go sacrifice him. I have two sons. I would never consider it. I would have to have a real directive from the Lord to even think about that whatsoever. And there are a couple of uh, other issues here that God said to Abraham that he would be a great nation. He would be like the stars in the sky. His family would be like the stars in the sky. He'd be a great nation. And his offspring would be like the, the sand on the seashore. That's a lot. That's a whole bunch. That's how many offsprings he's going to have. And God said, let's kill your only son. There's something wrong with this promise. There's something wrong with this promise. This promise cannot be fulfilled if this is going to come to fruition, if he's going to be obedient, God's got a problem here. All his promises are, are no good if this guy's going to be killed. Um, what else about that son? It says, uh, 
It's your only son whom you love. And I alluded to that just a little bit. I have two sons. Uh, it would be very, very difficult. A lot, of, a lot of dads in here to have sons. And we don't, even, we don't even think about this thing. And God said, Abraham. There's no mistaking that this is God talking to Abraham. And God has talked to Abraham before a number of times, visited him personally. And uh, he knows God's voice. He knows this is from God. This is a dangerous, not a dangerous thing, but a direct thing. And We've got this emotional issue here. Who can go out and kill a son? And th this isn't lethal injection. This is up close knife. This is going to be, I'm going to see this in my dreams after I do it. This is going to be kind of a gory thing if we do the traditional burnt offering thing. It's, uh, I, I, have to, I have to take his life with a knife up close, and it's going to be bloody, and there's going to be sounds, and I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life. This is, this is not a good thing. Not a good thing. And uh, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you where it's at. It's over in Moriah. It's on this mountain range called Moriah. And that's the ridge that Jerusalem is on. That's the ridge that Golgotha was on. That's the mountain range, that, that ridge that Jerusalem sits on. So we're putting some things together here. There's some parallels, prophetic parallels going on. So I want you to go to Moriah, and I'm going to show you the place. When you get close... I'll show you the place right where I want you to do this act with your only son, Isaac. I want you to offer him as a burnt offering, offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What a night. What a night. He gets the information, and it says the next morning he got up early and, and set on the task. But what, what went through his, his mind that night? Can you think about all the things that would go through a father's, a father's mind the night before? He's heard God's voice before. God said, I'd like to have you leave your home with your dad and your family, and I'd like you to go down to where the Canaanites are, and they're evil. They have these cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. They're not good people. They do human sacrifice too. That's another thing. God just asked him to do a, a human sacrifice. Only the heathens do that. There's a lot of things wrong with this request. A lot of, a lot of things that are going to make it really tough duty. Pull this off. So he, he thinks on that all night long. Wow, my son, my only son, who by this time is about 37 years old. They're fast friends. He's working the farm with his dad. They're working shoulder to shoulder. They're pretty tight, pretty tight. It's going to be a real tough piece of duty to uh, finish this off, Lord. Really, really a tough thing. And here we have Abraham the next morning. It says he rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place where God had told him. He made up his mind that he's going to be obedient. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he's going to go where God says. He's assuming that God's going to work his thing out. We've all been there. We've got a tough situation. And uh, I had one the other day, and uh, when David Weber passed away, it was, it was tough. And his dad was a classmate of mine. I've known Jeff for a lot of years. And when I met him at his house where we met that morning, first thing he said to me, all three of my children have died. They lost an infant, lost a daughter in an automobile accident, and, and David died the night before. And what, what do I say? What do I say to him? I did the old James Crager thing, and I don't know if this is a scripture someplace, but I remember James, Sager, J James Crager saying this. God is good, and God does good. God is good, and God does good. That's a mantra that came into my mind, and I had to keep repeating it. I, Jeff, I can't. I can't tell you about these things. All I can do is console you and say, 
God is good, and he does good. So that, I think that's what's going through Abraham's mind. God is good, and he does good, and he's going to work his thing out. He's a kind God. He's, he's going to work his thing out. I don't know if he's thinking test here or not, but he's been tested before. And he did leave his home, and he went to where the Canaanites were, and God blessed him. Blessed him big time. He has to take on a few kings. He can muster an army of maybe 200 men. So he's, he's got a lot of good things going on. God has really blessed him. Um, and he had the promise of the son, and he kept you know, faithfully saying, yes, Lord, if you say a son's coming, 20 years later, as the son. So he, he knows that God is a God of his word. So he makes a decision. We're going to do this thing. I'm going to take my son wherever he says, and uh, we're, we're just going to keep keeping the faith here. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving. We're going to do what God says. It says he got up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his young men. I have no idea why he took two of his young men. <laughs> they, they don't get into the play any place. The only thing I can think, this is prophetic of the two thieves on the cross. When Jesus was sacrificed, um, other than that, I don't know, guys. Uh, I don't know why these two other guys are here, but they go, maybe as witnesses. I, I don't know. And he's into it. He's got his son, and it's mentioned here, Isaac, his son again. You know, there's the connection, son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place God had told him. He splits the wood himself. He, I think he wants a diversion. I just don't stop thinking about this, so I split some wood. And, uh, you know, they get ready to go. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Remember that, the third day, the third day. We know that the third day is important when it comes to uh, sin sacrifices and sacrifices in general because we know that Christ rose on the third day. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. Uh, the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back. That's a good statement, isn't it? Faith thing. The faith thing. He's the father of faith. We will come back. He is not faltering at all. Got up early, started out, chopped the wood himself, and he said to the two guys that were watching the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, we, and we will come back to you. We'll be back. Okay, so we're going to go to worship. We're going to do a, we're going to go do a sacrifice. Abraham's going to be very obedient in this thing. Isn't obedience really a neat type of worship? Isn't that the ultimate worship? Just be obedient. Just trust me. Just do what I say. It's the best kind of worship. It's neat. We're going to go worship, and we're, we'll be back. Boy, that's a statement of faith, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. And all the time, what is going through Abraham's mind? What is going through his mind? Keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. A lot in this verse. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. What is the prophetic symbolism here? The wood on Isaac's back. Isaac is obviously going to be the sacrifice. We know of another sacrifice 2,000 years later where an individual, somebody's only son, was on a cross, was on a cross for a sacrifice. He was obedient to the Father. Some parallels here, prophetic parallels. Burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and took the fire in his hand and the knife. That's what you need for a sacrifice. It's going to be a burnt offering, got the wood, got the fire. And this is prophetic. How about Jesus? How does the fire figure in in this situation for Jesus? It's a tough one. This is, this is what the Holy Spirit gave me, so I... 
When Jesus was on the cross, he was not a burnt offering. He was not a burnt offering. But he had a lot of fire going on inside him. Agony. He was taking our hell. That's fire. That sacrifice happened on the inside of him as he waited for the Father to say, that's enough. You've paid for the sins. He couldn't die until that was done. Anybody else would have died. He was flogged, crowned with thorns, lost a lot of blood, had to carry the cross, heavy. He's nailed this thing. And all the time, there's a spiritual fire going on in him. Spiritual fire going on in him. Our fire, the fire intended for us. Our hell is going on in Jesus. He was a burnt offering on the inside. But for Isaac, it will be fire on the outside as this thing comes to fruition. And he has the knife. And I, How's the knife fit in that thing with Jesus? Yes. Very good. Very good. The other, day, the other day, I'm taking a little time out here, I did chapel for the uh, academy kids. And I had them all right up here. And we started on Abraham. And I just quizzed them about all the things they knew about Abraham. They were good. They were real good. And... I had to call one kid that you're acting up. I'm sitting right there, right there. And he's still acting up. I'm, I'm teaching. I'm asking questions. And I ask him, uh, ask him this tough question. How did Jesus and the lamb, what did they have in common? I didn't get any response. I asked again. No response. And this kid's been fidgeting in the front row, holds his hand up and said, neither one of them sinned. Wow. You get an A, son. You get an A. I was really impressed with what they had to say. They knew a lot about Abraham. And uh, Ron knows a lot about Abraham. The knife is going to be like the Roman spear. We'll see that again 2,000 years later. Jesus gave up his spirit. When the Father said, you've, you've got everybody, everybody's hell's done. You can let go and come home with me because you're a champ, man. you got it all finished up. I can't wait to get you back up here. Come on up. Gives up the spirit. That's when he dies. That's when he dies. But the Romans need to make sure he's dead. They lanced him. Does a Roman soldier know how to kill people? Oh, yeah. They lanced him in the right spot. They got his heart for sure. That's the knife. That's the finish of that sacrifice. This resuscitation thing doesn't fly because the Roman soldiers know how to kill people. He was dead when he went to the grave. And he arose again on the third day. Fantastic. Okay. The symbolism and the prophetic parallels just keep coming here. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and this, this is the $64 million question. Um, here I am, son, my son, he says. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Wow, they've come all this way. Isaac knows it's going to be an offering. They've got everything they need for an offering. And he asks, where's, where's, where's that sacrifice at, Dad? You know, we, did, we didn't bring a lamb or anything. What's, there's something missing here. And, of course, the father's thinking all the time, when do I break this to him? When, when do I make that announcement that it's you. When do I say that? I didn't have to right then. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Does anybody have the King James here? The old King James? Uh, could you read um, 8 force, please? That's right. God will provide himself a lamb. Boy, is that prophetic. It works out in this situation. Really prophetic. God will provide himself a lamb. God himself will be the sacrifice. He will be identified as the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Jews were used to that. They sacrificed millions and millions of lambs for sin. There's going to be one sacrifice that is super effective. It's going to be Christ. 
He's going to be the lamb. God will provide himself. God will be the sacrifice. It will be royal blood. It will be innocent blood. It will be the cleansing blood. God himself. So it's a great play on words that the Holy Spirit gave to Abraham. And maybe he's trying to buy more time, but boy, did he say a mouthful right there. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went together. That's, that's important. They left, they left the two guys behind, and they went out to do this sacrifice by themselves on Golgotha, on Calvary. Uh, who was the transaction between? Who was the transaction between? What, who were the participants there? there only two, God and the Son. God and the Son worked out this deal before the foundation of the world and said, we, we need to do something for these people because they have free will, they're going to fall, probably in the garden, and we need to have plan A to get them back. And Jesus said, I love those guys. I'll die for them. I'll die for them. We'll provide ourselves for that sacrifice. Yeah, it was a deal between God and his son. So just Abraham and Isaac go up there. That's all they need. That's all they need to do this transaction. Okay. Um, then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham... Abraham built an altar there and placed wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Isaac, 37, 38 years old, and dad finally says, you know what, son? It's, it's you. I, I've got to sacrifice you. God said that I should do this thing. And Isaac makes no statement, zero statement. He's in tune with the father. Dad, if you need to do this thing, if God told you to do this thing, that's what we need to do. He's obedient to the Father's will. So here we have Isaac being, boy, what a picture of Christ. Christ made no defense. In three trials that were shams, he said nothing. He was mute as the lamb is before the shearer. I don't know if you ever sheared a lamb. I've seen some. They're, they're pretty docile when, when that's happening. Pretty docile. And uh, he said, Dad, you know, this is the assumption that you need to do this. We need to do this. And I think 37-year-old guy could probably take that 137-year-old guy in an arm wrestling thing, especially when he saw that knife in Dad's belt. But he didn't. He just, tie me up, Dad. You got to do this. This is what we do. And how he got him up on that altar, I don't know. But it says he tied him up, and then up, up on the altar he went. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. That common is again. His son. And uh, when I was... Uh, kid and I was raised in the Catholic Church and we did a Bible study. The nuns had brought these books and we did Bible history. And I remember the picture of this particular scene and it was Abraham with his hand up. You know, he's, he's on the downstroke like this and there's poor Isaac tied up right below him. And then there's intervention. But the angel of the law, Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. There's that name again. There's no mistaking. This is, this is a directive to Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So he's, he's on the downstroke. And in that picture that I can remember from uh, my Bible study days way back when with the nuns, the angel was grabbing his hand on the downstroke. And I could see that picture just like it's right in front of me right now. You know, the Lord intervened in this. And he said, you are faithful. You did not withhold your son from me. Man, 
he was going to go through with it. I mean, we talked about that night, that long night that he had coming to a conclusion. He concluded that I need to do this thing. It was a done deal. I'm going to go through with this thing. God's going to have to intervene. I don't know if he's going to raise the boy from the dead. I don't know if he's going to provide something, but God's been good. I'm going to go with this thing. I'm locked on. I'm, I'm going to finish because God has been good to me. And uh, he went to the point where God said, I know you are faithful. And what a thing, what a thing, what a thing. That's why they call him the father of faith. Think God was happy with him? Yeah, he was happy with him. I should have about this, this much of that faith. I think he was uh, a little more than a mustard seed at this particular point. Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Oh, my. Now all the promises can be fulfilled that God gave Abraham about this great nation. I think there was a sigh of relief about right now. Maybe. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So he was faithful. He was on the downstroke. God said, I believe you. I believe you. And with, withheld him. And uh, he was very pleased with that situation. Then the worship could happen. Then the sacrifice could happen. God provided that ram. And he was laid on the altar. And he was given his innocent blood was given as a burnt offering. And I'm sure they praised the Lord with all their hearts right then. Oh boy, did they ever. And Abraham is joyful, and he's tuned in to God, and he makes this pronouncement. This place we're going to call the Lord will provide. And it's been the name of that mountain ever since to this day. Application, faith, faith, faith. When you get in those situations, you can't figure it out, and you're saying God is good and does good, take the next step. Keep going. He's around the next corner. That's the way it was for Abraham. He went right to the place. He was on the downstroke, and God intervened. That's our God. That's our merciful God. Let's pray, and we'll be on our way. Lord Jesus, fun again to go over this, this stuff, Lord. I haven't been here in a long time. and you know They call it the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament, and it certainly is. We learn so much about faith, Lord. We learn about love and duty here and how good you are, Lord, to provide in the end when we are faithful. Lord, uh, we thank you very much for your grace and your mercy that we attain by our faith. Lord, just give these folks a great week. And again, just bless the Irvin family. We ask it in your name. Amen. Any comments at this time? Real quick. Yes, Ryan.